Well, welcome to another episode of Rightfully So, a writer's podcast, where we talk about uh, writing and all things related to writing uh, for first-year college writers. Uh, I'm joined once again by Carrie and Jeanette, and today we're going to talk about uh, pre-writing and uh, the six P's of successful writing. I guess maybe the best place to start is to sort of maybe define what is pre-writing. And how is it maybe different from brainstorming? Because we tend to confuse those things. Brainstorming and outlining are possible options for pre-writing. Um, but I know as a freshman writer, like way back for me, way back, um, when I took uh, a writing class, um, the instructor that I took it with really liked outlines and was required an outline for um, the major essay at the end. And I tend not to like outlines. I, they stress me out. Um, so I learned that outlining, you know, and, and this was back when I was a freshman, that outlining worked really well when I had a research essay, but it really wasn't as effective for me overall as a way to pre-write. Um, and weirdly, so for me, I, um, I generally think and then write some and then I've learned that it actually helps to talk to someone about it. So like it, the best way to think about it is like, I try to dialogue with the text itself, like whatever it is that I'm writing on or the things that I'm writing on, because it's usually multiple pieces. And then I try, it, it actually helps me to talk to someone about what I've just written. Um, because then it's for whatever reason, that's the magical thing for me that helps me figure out how to go deeper with it or like how to rearrange it or whatever it is that um whatever it is that's puzzling me or where I'm needing to go from there I don't know yeah what do you guys do I, I usually well what's interesting is for for pre-writing in general I actually think of it even before the step of brainstorming even before they've got ideas to outline mm -hmm. I always kind of go back to the fact that, you know, where do we start in that process? Like, what's the very, very beginning? You know, like, I was just thinking Sound of Music <laughs> start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start, you know. And I tell them reading is the first step in the writing process because that's when, you know, usually you are responding to something, you know, that you have read. You know, your instructor says, you know, read this. Okay, now write an essay about it. So I tell them the reading part is, pretty important. So that's why we do the annotating. That's why we um, have those discussions, like you said, you know, the in-class discussions or on discussion boards. And I tell them, this is where you just need to generate ideas. Um, this is just getting your reactions, even if you don't feel strongly about something. And I think we're going to talk about that in another another podcast, just kind of that idea of, you know, whether you actually have a genuine interest in it, but just where, how do you feel about it? How do you react to it? and just gauging your own, what you know and what your experiences are and what is this new information that you've just read? How does that play into what you already know? So it's just kind of focusing on that, that kind of, you know, like I said, like the new information coming in. So now what are we going to do with that new information um, and that process? So I think it's kind of, I even, like I said, I go back to the very beginning with the reading part um, as kind of the crucial part of the pre-writing um, phase of the process yeah 100 in, in fact that's that kind of defines my entire sort of like pre-writing and brainstorming processes i tend to be um the writer that just 
just reads like reads everything that's like related to the subject um stuff that i think will support like potential future research stuff that i think may undermine my argument um i, I read a ton but i don't write a lot um and i don't take a lot of notes either i, I tend to just kind of like read and and i, I joke that i i get to some sort of uh, like critical mass and then i'm like you know what and then that's where the ideas start coming from right is is and then I'll, I'll carry around like a small notebook with me. Those little field notes are like three by five. They're like small notebooks. And and as those ideas occur to me whenever and wherever, I'll sort of like jot them down like longhand in one of those notebooks. And then, you know, it's kind of funny. Those things that end up full of like half-formed ideas um, um, inspired by the reading that I've done or subconsciously making um, connections to like stuff I may have read in the past that was maybe like unrelated to the topic, but... I start making like inferences. Hey, these two things sort of go together. Um, you know, uh, it, for me, the most successful sort of example of that was my master's thesis in that for one class, I had been doing a lot of reading about um, this concept of cognitive schema and, and how people sort of collect information. They compare it to like their internalized cognitive schema and then decide like where that information sort of like fits in their brain. And then it, you know, it defines what information they accept and what they reject. And I'm like, Hey, this kind of reminds me of how witchcraft literature started gendering the witchcraft trials and that people started sort of like internalizing information. And then the next thing you know, you know, uh, it was mostly women being accused as opposed to like mostly men, which is how witchcraft actually started was, you know, calling out sort of like witch doctors if you will um so that that process works for me right it's, it's just to read and read and read and accumulate information and then eventually start writing and and i'm kind of with Jeanette on the whole thing like outlines don't work for me uh and i've gotten into the point where i tell my students that outlines are are great they're really useful tools but they're not great they're, they're a great planning tool like i know what i want to write like i have a broad conception of where i want my essay to do but I need to sort of force these things into some sort of like logical order. And so to me, I feel like the outline is something that comes much later in the brainstorming or pre-writing or planning process. Like it, it, to me, it's a thing you do right before you actually start writing to make sure that there's like a logical structure to your argument as opposed to a tool to generate new ideas. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm at with my process. I think, yeah, I think it's true that that, that distinction needs to be made too. The, there's a part where you have to actually generate the ideas, right? Before you can kind of do a mapping or anything like that. And that's one thing that sometimes I'll even have them, you know, sometimes students start with like a free write because I feel like that's a chance to at least just start generating ideas or at least to just put thoughts down on paper. Um, and so that's kind of a nice tool that just gets you to the point where you've got something to work with. Um, it's almost like a rough draft in that sense. You know, if, if your free write's going really, really well, sometimes it can kind of turn into that. Um, but at the, at the least, it's just something where you've got like, oh, I, I mentioned one or two points. Um, and what's really cool is that um, sometimes even sharing those free writes with another person, sometimes they'll say, oh, I didn't think about that. That's actually really cool. Like, have you thought about doing more with that? And then, oh, okay. You know, so it's kind of like a little reassurance too at the same time that maybe your ideas aren't totally lame like so many of them think you know my ideas are lame but it's like no they're not they're they're really thoughtful but i think the 
And I tell students this all, all the time, the key really is generating those ideas because when they go to experience that writer's block later on, that's usually because there wasn't enough of generating ideas in the beginning. So I say you, you rarely, you may have writer's block, but for different reasons, but I'm like, usually if you've done enough of that generating ideas in the beginning, then, then the writer's block will come and go very quickly rather than being something that lasts for days. <laughs> so it's something we talked about last time or the first time, I can't remember, but it's the idea that thinking counts um, because we tend to think that unless there's, there's actual words in a document um, on my computer, like it doesn't count and it's like wasted time, but it's not. Um, and so there's that. And then I feel like this is also speaking back to our discussion on prompts and how there are some instructors who are really open-ended. And so in these open-ended situations, you absolutely have to do this idea generation or else you have nothing to write about, right? Like you have to, you know, and it's, it's I guess not as common in, you know, freshman composition writing, like writing teachers and, you know, in these classes, us, uh, we tend to have robust prompts, but with lots of options or we go over this in class, but there is a point in your academic writing where those training wheels are gone. Like you are on your own to do these things where you have to generate ideas in however way works for you. And I think that's also important too, is that we've kind of talked through how it's like what works for someone and in one situation doesn't necessarily apply elsewhere, right? Like even the same writer, you know, if it's a different type of writing, then you, you have to approach it differently. So um, there's that. It's really interesting. Um, I keep hearing idea generation, and I feel like that's a really big block for a lot of students, especially first year college students. And, and I kind of wonder, I don't know, from someone who's been writing for a long time, in a lot of different genres, it's, it's sort of like, I don't understand the block, but on the other hand, I think I can speculate as to what it's about. Um, that Carrie mentioned you sort of like, oh, this is a dumb idea. Like, oh, this is a dumb idea, right? And so I think students are like self-censoring, like, oh, this is a stupid idea. Like, I can't, yeah. I can't write about that, or this isn't going to go anywhere, right? So they're sort of like throwing out ideas before they have had a chance to sort of like mature or be explored. Um, I, and I also feel like there's this expectation too that like these these ideas are going to like manifest fully formed um, and, and that students aren't prepared to take a half-baked idea and just work with it for a little bit and be uncomfortable with not being entirely sure about what they're going to write about. I totally agree. I mean, I, speaking from somebody, like I loved, you know, literature classes, but at the same time, I was always nervous to even raise my hand because I felt like my idea wasn't going to be good enough that, you know, it wasn't as on par with everybody else's ideas. Like I thought other kids in the class were smarter. And especially when we went into the master's program, I felt that way completely. I was just like, I don't know how I even got here. Like, <laughs> and so there, there is that, I think that kind of self-consciousness of, you know, is my idea actually a good idea? Should I actually say it out? Out loud or is that going to do me into you know this humiliating <laughs> you know episode of some insert whatever movie or tv show they're always imagining is going to happen right so it is i think a lot of it is that anxious you know kind of nervousness about about just the idea in, in itself and like you said that's so perfect that 
they have to, or you kind of have to embrace the fact that the idea when it first starts is going to be half-baked. It's never going to be, you don't come up with your thesis statement all in one, you know, one sitting and just, oh, here it is, perfection. No, it's always like a part of it and a little part of it. And then you start to kind of connect the dots. So, so I think it's in recognizing that even those ideas at the very beginning that may not feel like they are completed, they're still, that's still progress. That's still getting you there. Yeah, that, um, recognizing that even an unfinished or a half formed idea has merit, I think is really valuable. You know, and, I, and you're right. There's like an intimidation factor. You know, it's kind of funny. You're talking about like, I'm not good enough. And I'm like, imposter syndrome, like raises its ugly head again. Uh, I was literally just talking to my class about this with regards to like peer review, which we're going to have a future episode all about peer review. But the thing I sort of like stumbled on this semester was this, this idea of imposter syndrome is being like the block to, to the thing that you're trying to do. And I'm like, Hey, we're here to do peer review. I recognize that you may not feel super confident in your writing ability and therefore don't feel justified or qualified to comment on somebody else's writing. But I'm like, but you're all savvy readers. Like you're smart consumers of media that makes you a good reader. Like, so, and that's what you're here to do is to read, right? That's peer review. So I feel like we can say the same thing about idea generation, right? Is, you know, don't let the, the sort of like the imposter syndrome or like the anxiety or the uncertainty of it be that block. Um, to, to sort of borrow an old aphorism, it's like there are no bad ideas, right? Um, there may be some that can't be fully developed, and there may be some that that um, maybe aren't appropriate for the rhetorical context. There may be some that um, are, are too broad or too grand in scope to really be contained within the scope of the assignment. But ultimately, I don't think there's bad ideas, and I, and I don't... I don't know what you do in your classrooms, but I know that I try to encourage students that even if they feel like they might be going from like or, or straying from the spirit of the prompt to get in touch with me, like, don't just throw that idea away. Like, come talk to me. Um, if I think it has merit or if I'm interested just to see where you can go with it, I'll probably be like, sure, do that. Um, the, the prompt is just to kind of give everybody like a starting line to start at. Um, but if you find something that's really fascinating to you that sort of is on the same like vein or the same subject, but sort of takes it in a slightly different way, I'm all for it. Um, I'm all for those alternate ideas. But the trick is, is to allow yourself again to, to, to generate those ideas through whatever means works for you um, and to not throw the baby out with the bathwater, I guess, and be like, ah, you know what, this doesn't sound like a great idea because I can't write a thesis statement for you and just hold on to that stuff, write it down, come back to it later. Well, and Bill, you just said, um, I think something really helpful that often students will dismiss because it can be intimidating, not with you, but can be, um, which is to come talk to you, right? Like, so what I was thinking about as you were talking through it, at first my mind went to like the unfortunate reality that writing especially the pre-writing stage can sometimes take way longer <laughs> than we would like it to. Like we would like, you know, the fully formed ideas like to be there, right? Like we don't have time to do this thing where we like mull on something for weeks, you know, like, and obviously this is different depending on what we're writing, you know, our master's thesis, obviously that <laughs> there's no getting around that, right? Like the time thing, you know, and uh, but the reality is that we are always struggling with time and wanting to, you know, have this process go quicker. Sometimes it goes well, right? Like, and then other times not so much, but I do know that, you know, when students have come in, you know, and they don't necessarily have to come to my office hours, they can work with a writing center or they can, you know, there are other options, but just having those like conversations actually 
I don't want to promise anything and over deliver, but it, like under deliver. Um, but you know, I feel like they do speed up the process a little bit, right? Like more than if you were just chewing on it on your own for a long time. So for sure. And I think that also speaks to kind of a gentle reminder. I'll just insert right now into the episode. Um, that's why you can't procrastinate. That's why right. you can't wait until the last, you know, three hours of the due date to yep. start working on it because you're missing a huge, huge part that does require time. And that's, that's why writing an essay usually is many, many more points than the quiz or the, you know, or, or an exam. It's, it's a lot because it requires a lot. So you have to take that into consideration that as much as you study for, you know, a multiple choice exam, you know, your midterm exam, that's how much time you probably need to spend on that essay too, you know? So it's kind of that reminder that the process does start a lot earlier than, than it, you know, than you would think, cause you would hope that, oh, I'm just gonna work on my essay on Sunday. You know, I'm just gonna, I'll give myself three hours. It's fine. And it's like, no, no, it's gonna take more than that. <laughs> Yeah, I think we mentioned that on a previous episode that it's like, hey, if your instructor gives you X number of weeks to work on this project, it's probably going to take that long. Yep. And to give it the attention that it deserves. And and again, knocking it out the night before is, you know, it's so funny. I saw so many students uh, this semester when I asked them to sort of describe their writing process to me who admitted to procrastination and then also said, I work best under pressure. And I said, it's probably because the pressure forces you to push past that that barrier of like idea generation past the barrier of the anxiety about what is the, the teacher going to say about this like you get to the point where you don't have space in your head for those considerations and so you just start banging it out right um it's it's sort of like sink or swim and i'm like that's not a really healthy way to approach writing projects for one you're always gonna have anxiety associated with writing if you keep approaching it that way because it's always high stress and high stakes um, and, and writing can be more pleasant. If not easier, it can be more pleasant. Um, and <laughs> I guess I'm a little off topic here, but um, yeah, just really, I just want to say don't procrastinate. Like I, I just want to like reiterate that, like just, just don't procrastinate, um, which is why I, I've started designing or have been designing into my, my course. You know, there's a pre-writing stage or proposal stage. There's a, you know, we're going to be doing thesis, thesis workshops this semester, like, really trying to emphasize that this is not something you knock out like the week before it's due this is something that takes time and and speaking of time you know Jeanette mentioned that you know we get frustrated because the idea generation takes so long right like we want to speed it up um and and I just you know I've lately been telling my students that the actual putting words on a page like in a word document the actual typing it and drafting it that's like the last 10 percent um, it's kind of like an iceberg, right? It's or an inverted pyramid, or I don't know. It's a I can't find a good metaphor. Let me work on that. I'll workshop it. Uh, but the point being is like it's that last ten percent that if if you spend what feels like too long with the idea generation, if you spend what feels like too long doing the research, if you spend too long with with bubble charts and outlines to help organize your thoughts before you even start writing, it's okay because you're so well prepared that by the time you get to that last ten percent. You can just bang it out the night before, really, and then go back and do a revision because you're prepared for it. Again, that prior planning prevents piss poor performance. Um, okay, so we have a couple minutes left. Uh, so I guess I just want to throw out any any closing thoughts or like go backs. I like the iceberg. I think you should draw it, Bill. <laughs> I think you should have one with like <laughs> the writing process because right. I think that, that fits. 
it is just the, that visible part, right? Like it's the visible, and we tend to think of that as the whole thing, but underneath it's like, you know, it's massive, right? Like it's gonna sink the Titanic <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. And this is <laughs> why you, and this is, this is why you talk out your ideas because I couldn't make the metaphor work, but Jeanette nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will say one thing I, um, cause you guys were talking earlier about outlining and I love outlines. I uh, like anything that I can outline, I'll be happy to outline. So one I thing I will say, yeah, <laughs> one thing I will say is that depending on number one, the project or whatever writing assignment you're working on versus, you know, it's, it, you're, your pre-writing process can be very different. So I always tell students experiment with different tools, like kind of try them all out, especially if you're struggling with an essay, try different ones, you know, that you may not usually use. Because like I said, in my wheelhouse, I've got outlining. That's kind of my go-to um, as part of that process. But at the same time, you know, I, I read and then I go for a run and that's where I generate ideas. And then I come back to the reading, you know, and that kind of stuff. But sometimes if I'm really struggling, I might need to sit down and go, okay, let's try free writing or let's try one of those bubble max, you know, cluster maps or something like that, just to help myself. So it's good to know different types of techniques mm -hmm. that you may not use every single time. And if it, if you need it that time, maybe you do need it, maybe it's super effective. Um, but just recognizing that sometimes it'll change depending on what the project is and how how dense it is and, you know, how much you have that, you know, passion for writing about that subject. Sometimes you may struggles. So maybe an outline that time will help, you know, so stuff like that. So, yeah. That's a, a really great point is sometimes it helps to get out of your comfort zone in order to generate new ideas, especially if you're, if you're stuck. Well, I think it's going to do it for, for this week's episode of uh, rightfully. So I want to thank Carrie and Jeanette for joining me again and, and having such a great discussion. If you like this episode, don't forget, tell your friends, have them listen too. <laughs> Thanks so much. And we'll hear, we'll see you, hear you. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. There you go. Talk at you.